one of the, the most important things for designers to think about is that any particular grid structure can be used in a lot of different ways. The grid is just a set of guides, not the design of the content. How that content moves on the surface of that grid can happen in a lot of very, very different ways. And you know, you can fill columns with content, images and text all the way out to the margins, and that creates one particular kind of feeling. What's up, branding experts? Arik here at Ebook Design, and my guest today is Timothy Samara. And Timothy is a New York-based graphic designer and educator whose 25-year career has focused on visual identity and branding, communication design, and typography. So working for large corporations, non-profit organizations, and startups. Timothy also teaches at design schools and universities around New York City, including the New School for Design, New York University, NYU, uh, School of Visual Arts, SBA, and, and many more. He has also written several books on design, and one of them is uh, Making and Breaking the Grid, uh, which is this book. This is the second edition. And this is the book we are going to talk about today. So Timothy is an expert when it comes to uh, graphic design, and that's why I really wanted to have him on our podcast to talk about graphic design layout. Hello, Timothy. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, so first, I think it's vital to uh, to start by talking uh, about the structure in, in graphic design in general, right? So on one hand, we have designers who see typographic grid as an organizing principle and, and, and as a part of their process that helps them, you know, yield precision, order and clarity in everything they do. And on the other hand, we have some uh, some designers who might see grid as, as a symbol of, you know, aesthetic oppression and, and something that hinders their expression, basically. But I believe that we need to learn how to use the grid in order to be able to break it when we need to, right? So... And I really like the, uh, what you said in the book, quote, the grid system is an aid, not a guarantee. It permits a number of possible uses and each designer can look for a solution that is appropriate to, to his or her personal style. So with that, uh, we're gonna talk about some of those solutions and, and how to make a layout and, and how to use grid to, uh, to lay out the content. But first, can you talk to us about some of the benefits of making a grid and, and where it comes, comes from, some, some of the history? Sure. So uh, the grid is a, it's a principle for organizing information. It comes out of, in a very, very organic way, out of the structure of the Latin typeface, uh, letter forms in particular, and also in the way that we structure language, which tends to work in a kind of a horizontal, vertical framework. So it's, it has this very, very kind of organic, natural quality related to the way that Westerners read and expect to navigate information from a structural perspective. The benefits of it, like any kind of a system, it is uh, part of kind of design systems thinking. It allows a designer to create a kind of a continuity of logic, of organizing uh, principles or organizing qualities for graphic material, text and images, that helps hold everything together in a kind of a unified totality so that all the parts of a project, as they vary, sometimes uh, with a little bit of information, sometimes with a lot of information, sometimes different kinds of information in different combinations, can all appear to be speaking with the same voice, conveying the same idea, uh, and leading uh, a reader 
reader or a user through the information in a kind of consistent way so that the user becomes familiar with and comfortable with the way that they're interacting with the information. You know, a system is always about this tension between consistency uh, and uh, variation. And what the grid does is allows, of course, for that consistency because all of the elements that it contains uh, or that it governs are following kind of proportions that are divided by a regular set of intervals, guidelines or breaks in the space of a page or screen from left to right and top to bottom. Uh, so all the proportions of elements and the way that they might be organized conform to those, those divisions in the page space. At the same time, because those spaces can be combined in different sizes or different proportions, it allows for flexibility. That is, as information changes from part to part to part, whether it's from one screen to another in a website, or it's page spread after page spread within a book, uh, or even in a more extensive program um, where there are many formats, like in a branding system. It allows the designer to be able to create visual cohesion among very, very different kinds of information in different combinations. And that's the primary, right. the, the primary benefit. If you're thinking in terms of kind of teamwork, the grid also provides a way for several designers in a team or who are working on a project collaboratively to develop individual components independently and still be adhering to some rules so that everybody's work looks like it goes together. And then last, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's a machine for efficiency. Most of the planning and development of the grid structure and what it's going to do, the way that it, it uh, is going to organize information takes place up front. So there's a kind of a front loading that you spend really more time kind of assessing what the content is and how the grid structure is going to accommodate it and account for you know, different kinds of situations. And then once those rules are defined is that in essence, you can bang out a lot of material very, very quickly because those rules have already been established and you're essentially following your own rules uh, you know, time after time after time. So it reduces the need to kind of design each kind of component, each page spread or each screen kind of from the ground up. So it, it really improves you know, kind of the efficiency of workflow. And that's a you know, very, very practical uh, kind of uh, benefit so some of some of my also uh just to sum up for our listeners some of the t uh, key takeaways uh from from um from your book is that you know graphic design is, is problem solving so we need to organize all this information pictures symbols fields of text headlines and so on so grid brings systematic order to to our layout so it, it allows us to easily navigate and ensure visual cohesion and harmony, as you also mentioned. So it's also, it, it makes our work more efficient, right? Yes. Uh, it allows us to, to save time down the road. Mm -hmm. And, and um, so basically, GRID is a set of alignment-based relationships that serve uh, as a guide for placing elements on a page, right? Mm -hmm. Their height, the width, height to width proportions. So can we talk about some of the agreed basics and, and, and fundamentals of page layouts? Things like, like you mentioned in your book, you know, the column grid, the modular grid, different kind of grids, hierarchic grid, compound grids, image behavior, text behavior, and so on. Can we just touch on some of those key elements to, to help our listeners understand uh, you know, the concept of, of building a uh, graphic design layout. I think the first and most important thing to understand is that uh, one, you know, you make your grid based on whatever the content is uh, or in response 
the content and also in response to uh, the format, you know, whether it's print or screen based and how the user is going to use it is how they're going to access that content. So any number of any one of a different kind of grid could be potentially useful or appropriate depending on what the content happens to be. If the content is relatively simple, that is, it doesn't have that many different kinds of parts, a simpler grid is more uh, useful. Uh, so that it, it minimizes the, the the potential for complication to kind of creep in over time. That is, if you if you if you don't have very very complicated information, you don't need a very complex grid structure. So in that case, something like if you, for example, if you only had essentially a long form kind of running text, and maybe there were some notations uh, or a very very minimal number of images, and maybe only a, a captions for those images, and you know you don't really have to be able to break apart the page space in a dramatic number of ways because you don't have to separate things. You don't have to group things. You don't have to be able to distinguish between, uh, you know, kind of several different kinds of stuff in the space. And so something as simple as a manuscript grid where you have, in essence, one single block and defined by margins of specific portions might be okay. That might also not be enough. Um, it may, you know, whether that's a functional issue, that is that you need greater uh, distinction, you need to, be, need to be able to separate at least out, say, the captions from where the running text is or a call out or something. Um, but that may also be an aesthetic uh, choice, you know, sort of how actively you want to be able to break the page. And so you might say a, you know, a column grid uh, of maybe only two columns might be useful. Whether those two columns happen to be the same width within the page format. Now, we are going to take a quick break here, but we'll be right back. Listen, my mission is to help people build and design iconic brands. So whether you're a business leader who wants to become more intentional with branding and all of its aspects, or you're a creative professional who wants to attract powerful clients and surely be able to help them with branding, then you need to start with a discovery session in order to develop a strategy that will inform all your creative work. And everything that you need in order to learn how to do that, you can find in my online courses at evecdesign.com slash show, where I share with you my worksheets, case studies, video tutorials, and other additional resources to help you feel safe and strong about your process. Now let's get back to our interview. So what you are talking about, our listeners. Right. Uh, so I, those I are... recommend all you guys to check out the book. The book is quite, quite big. Uh, and, and Timothy illustrates really a, a lot of different, you know, variations of grid system, gives us examples and different tools and techniques. So uh, sorry to interrupt you. Go on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, whether or not the whether or not the columns, whether there's two or three happen to be the same size, that is the same width left to right in the page space is, you know, there's a, there's another kind of a decision to make. It could be that the columns are all the same, the same width, and that just by adjusting material from left to right, you know, let's say it's a two column grid from one column to the other, or from uh, using both columns simultaneously, or using one column for one kind of content and another column for another kind of content could be fine. It could be that, you know, going back to this example of primarily a long form, like an article, um, where there might just be sort of captions or small insects or notations. You could have a narrow column for that kind of secondary material and focus attention on a much wider column of a different measurement on the same page, in which case then you would be 
dealing with uh, what's called a hierarchic grid, where each column is given a proportion based on kind of what content it's going is going to occupy it. And so those two things, those two columns don't necessarily have to be the same. If you're dealing with with material that is very, very complex, wherein you might have three or four different kinds of text, as well as images of different kinds, as well as something like a sidebar or a timeline or diagrams, infographics, and so on, where all of those different kinds of information are going to appear together sometimes all at once and sometimes in different combinations, the more kind of complex grid you're going to need. And that would generally tend to suggest a modular grid. That is one where a modular grid in which there are not only columns left to right, but also divisions top to bottom, that is rows. Um, And that gives you then a tremendously larger number of kinds of divisions and therefore also a greater variety in the kinds of proportions and shapes that can be integrated into that grid structure. And that allows you then to, you know, create very, very specific kinds of treatment for the typography of running text versus headlines versus captions, callouts, diagram, labeling, infographics, as well as for different kinds of sizes and positions of other kinds of graphic material, images and iconography and uh, tables or charts and so on. I, I mean, I think that the being kind of focused on typography as as I am and always being conscious of the reader's experience, uh, especially for not only complex text, but uh, long form text, that is where you're reading extensively, you know, an article um, or an essay of several thousand words, is that the, the comfortable uh, quality of that reading experience um, and the ease of using it, that text becomes very, very important. So very often, um, I'm very concerned about what the typesetting qualities or the attributes of the text happen to be. Looking at kind of the width of, uh, of a block of text or a column, how many characters are on a line, what is the rag shape doing, what's the internal spacing doing, um, and then really basing the kind of the grid structure on you know how readable and legible and comfortable is the text to read um, as the starting point for what the grid structure might happen to be. So if I determine you know that uh, because the point size is nine or nine and a half and I need eleven and a half points of letting in between the lines and I want somewhere between fifty five and seventy five characters on a line for kind of good sequencing and uh, so on I want the rag shapes to be nice is that I'll come to some conclusion you know depending on what the font is uh, and the size that I pick that okay I've got a, a column that that feels really comfortable is really easy to read and it's about you know, it's that wide, maybe it's two and a half or three inches wide or so. And then to look at, well, how many of those can I fit side by side on a page? How many do I need to fit side by side on the page? You know, how how dense is that page going to be? And are there also other kinds of content that are going to have to accompany the text? And then you start kind of sort of massaging uh, the dimensions of the columns, the dimensions of the rows, uh, the spaces between, that is the gutters, and then what impact that has on the margins. Uh, and are the margins comfortable? Do they set the content off? from the exterior of the page and allow for the viewer to kind of separate themselves from the outer world and kind of focus inward on the content itself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, So I just wanted to sum up. So yeah, so basically in the simplest form, grid is based on type, as you mentioned, right? Uh, And and type is is also based on vertical and horizontal lines, right? Mm -hmm. So so we stack, uh, you know, horizontal sentences below each other, and that creates vertical lines. And 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 so we can group things together. We can use white space to to you know to add some dynamism and flow to that. 
and we can change the the the, the weight and the scale to introduce hierarchy of elements and things mm -hmm. like that. So as you already mentioned, you know, every design problem is different and, and requires different approach, and, and there are different uh, the variety of of, of options. Uh, we can go with. So uh, as you mentioned, the, the, the first step for, for us as a designer, it would be to understand the content really, right? And, and assess the, the informational characteristics. So, so we, because we need to anticipate potential problems with laying out the content, right? Like, it, do we have long headlines? Do we mm -hmm. need to crop images in certain ways? Mm -hmm. uh, do we have some requirements regarding uh, page count and so on? Because once we develop the grid, it's a closed system, right? Uh, we should so we should first get understand the, the content and and try to design a few pages. And, and and I know in the book you talk about you really recommend doing this by hand, sketching layouts, and then scanning those sketches, and then building a, a grid based on that. And, and and then um, you know considering different uh, options to determining you know the 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 width of the columns, the gutter, and uh, a number of them, how many of them fits uh, fit on 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 one on one page and so on as you already mentioned. So and also things to consider would be like uh, typesetting, right? So interline space, letter space, word space. Mm -hmm. Uh, relationship between you know images and and, and also for you guys uh, who are listening uh, it's pertaining to both you know uh, digital and, and print as well because uh, you know in responsive you know in web design we use grid as well right so but when it comes to digital design uh, and web design we need to we should start with the smallest screen right with the smallest format perhaps like a mobile device and then started from there and then build, you know, and, and, and then try to determine how, you know, the, the content flows between those screens. Am I right here? Yes. Uh, I, would, I would always advocate for, for really thinking about uh, the um, smartphone, you know, this uh, as a kind of, you know, as a, sort of the basis for how you might think about column, because this is going to be your worst case scenario. This is the narrowest and the smallest uh, kind of uh, format area that text is going to appear in. Uh, and there are much more, I would say, you know, sort of stringent requirements for, you know, how large uh, the point size has to be or the pixel size of the text has to be and how much space you need between. And that's going to really kind of drive, uh, you know, sort of how that text fits uh, within this very, very narrow space, which in essence, if, if the text is legible and has a readable quality, it's likely to fill most of that space. And that's not a bad place to start for determining the column, especially as the, as the, the format then expands you know, into say desktop browser where there's going to be a lot more leeway. So I would, I would always, and then you can sort of apply this thinking to print design too, is to, is to always find, uh, you know, the most difficult or challenging sort of situation or aspect of the material that you're working with and also the format um, so that you solve that problem right off the bat. And then you use the way that you solve that problem to, uh, because you can, you can always make something more complex. You can always make something more expressive and you can always make something less conventional. It's very, very difficult to start with a very, very expressive uh, kind of irregular, unconventional kind of a layout uh, and then try to mash it down into mm -hmm. a smaller space or to solve a problem that, that really has a lot of limitations in it um, once you've kind of gone, you know, 
kind of whole hog. Sort of always thinking about you know the, the task at hand and how that how that material is going to be used. You know, yes, of course, if um, if you don't need the mobile component. Um, then you don't have to think about it. There are ways to, you know, kind of reverse or sort of retrofit the layout of, you know, a grid-based layout in a desktop browser environment, you know, downward into the phone. In essence, you know, you're thinking, you have to sort of think sequentially left to right how the, the material that's on to the right of the page is going to stack underneath elements that are to the left of the page so that the sequence uh, remains. But yeah, I would always, you know, uh, and, I, and I say it in the book too, is, you know, think about the phone format as your column, as a starting point. If you need to subdivide it, if you need to chop it in half in order to create more interest or because you have to, you want to be able to introduce smaller elements either for contrast or because of what the content needs are, you know, you can always do that. I provide the example of a, of a, a website, a news website from Spain that is uh, where the phone's sort of column format is already subdivided now into four smaller columns so that details like navigation, like the hamburger at the top, the headings and so on, and also you know other kinds of divisions, side-by-side images and so on can fit within that space and look like it goes, uh, it works together, carries the same kind of feeling and has the same kind of uh, overall sort of design quality or the same kind of language as it does when it's you know expanded to the full screen size yeah so uh, you, you give up i really i really like the, 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 like you know you, you show us a lot of different examples as you mentioned you know this uh web page of some some spanish web page right for you guys who want to check out the boot i really like it's full of uh, real life examples you know from some of the top uh design firms and uh, so you can really get a sense of different variations of you know layouts and grids and 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 how we can use them. And also the next thing I think I wanted to talk about is this, it was about building a grid, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 also corresponding to the parts uh, to how you structured your your book. So next next thing I wanted to talk about is using a, a grid because building a grid is one thing, right? But then mm-hmm. we also need to think about you know how the material within the, how it will work within the grid. So we need to consider, you know, scale relationship between elements, the rhythm, you point out things like it should we keep it geometric or more organic and so on, or, you know, to what kind of degree we feel that this, the structure, the, the grid that we build and we keep it full to the margins or we leave some uh, space open and make it more dynamic. Mm-hmm. More interesting. Some of my takeaways from from this part is is that you now should the content on pages be positioned symmet- symmetrically, you know, mirroring or asymmetrically? Uh, should the content be oriented towards the the, the spreads interior or pushed outward to, towards the the edges mm-hmm. or, or four edges? And then we can also use uh, uh, techniques like transparency to to create some depth. Right, like mm-hmm. for example, this uh, I think is a is a common practice nowadays. You know, overlapping text on top of images, so some part of the text or a headline uh, overlaps the image that is behind that creates some kind of kind of a dimension. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and, and basically how we can achieve layout variation by you know alternatively placing images. You know, we can place images uh, towards the top, towards the bottom, left on the, or right on, on different spreads so that we we create like a kind of a rhythm or a sequence, as you describe in the book, mm-hmm. 
So it's not all the same. So it's also more interesting to look at and browse or read the content, right? Absolutely. I think it's, and you you touched on this, I think one of the, the most important things uh, for designers to think about is that any any particular grid structure can be used in a lot of different ways. Uh, the grid is just, you know, it's, it's a set of guides. Um, it is not the actual design of the, uh, of, of the object, whatever it happens to be. It's not the design of the content. How that content moves on the surface of that grid uh, can happen in a lot of very, very different ways. And you, know, you can fill columns uh, with content, uh, with images and text all the way out to the margins. And that creates one particular kind of feeling. You can push the content down uh, in, or compress it into a, a low area uh, within the within the page, you can raise it up. You can compress it left or right, uh, and so on. Uh, things can move in a very very kind of up and down sort of rhythmic way, and they can also create very kind of static block. I think that you know the the idea of of you know what that compositional language is and the way that material moves in the space is itself you know kind of part of the message uh, of the content. The it provides you know, support for the feeling of the content. Um, and so those are decisions that the designer has to make like really carefully. In addition to, you know, the font selection, which is, you know, the, the fonts that you choose, which are also going to, you know, kind of convey certain kinds of feelings or attitudes is that structure and movement, you know, a composition itself is a kind of an idea. And, you know, like I said, any grid, you know, whether it's six columns uh, wide or eight columns wide and, you know, however many rows deep is that that's, that's the thing that kind of holds everything together and provides kind of proportional harmony. But the designer still has to kind of invent the idea for how the material is is happening on that uh, you know on that surface. You know, a grid can be used in a very very organic and uh, almost fluid kind of a way, where it almost seems to disappear. Uh, you know, and in fact, there's a there's a kind of a way of thinking is that you want the 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 reader or the user, um, the viewer. To, to feel that geometry and to feel that uh, there is this kind of cohesion between th things, but you don't want to beat them over the head with it, where the grid is absolutely present, is that you want, you know, all the time, and especially not kind of monotonously repetitive where everything is in the same right. place. And then this goes back to the kind of the fundamental issue of, of using this kind of structure as a system is that a system is about this balancing act, this tension between consistency and conformity that you, you understand how everything goes together in similar ways, but also it's about variation. If you don't have the variation uh, is that you, you create a very, very dull and repetitive and monotonous experience. Sometimes that's desirable, not necessarily dull, but of course you don't ever want anything to be dull. But sometimes the nature of, inf of certain kinds of information, things like instructions, uh, yeah. manuals, uh, that sort of thing, you know, sort of ask the designer to get out of the way uh, and to present the information in as systematic and consistent a way as possible so that the user, the reader becomes really uh, you know, familiar with, learns rapidly how the information is being presented and how to order it in their, in their own minds. And sometimes that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and other times uh, you want there to be 
see a lot of kind of uh, a lot of variation where there are a lot of different kinds of rules at play and each of those rules allows for individual kinds of variations there's no right or wrong way to go about that all of these kinds of decisions are part of the design process the part of the sort of conceiving of and you know how that information how that material is going to be presented and what kind of effect it's going to have on on the on the end user on the on the reader both conceptually and emotionally and and visually at the same time and all those things are are intertwined so all all the decisions that a designer makes have to come out of what the content is and that you know sometimes the content tells you uh you know it's it's the grid is not useful here Uh, you know it's not going to it might it might be generally kind of useful in the way that you know a chair that has four legs and a seat allows you to sit on it. But sometimes that chair can be made out of some kind of puffy rubbery material. And sometimes it can be made out of, uh, you know, steel slats. And those are two very, very different kinds of feeling. Um, sometimes the chair may, might not even have to have legs uh, to sit on it. And then, you know, so it's kind of a weird analogy, but, you know, the way that something functions uh, is also, you know, has to do with, you know, what is the kind of the idea that you're conveying? And sometimes, you know, sometimes the grid is not is not appropriate. So let's talk about those instances when when we can break the grid or, or we can, you know, because as you mentioned, uh, and, and as I started the, the this episode with, uh, you know, saying that, for example, I specialize in identity design, uh, just like you, and and we need to kind of build some kind of a, some kind of guidelines and some kind of a structure to bring cohesion and consistency between different elements and different applications, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But other um, designers might might be concerned that it kind of like. Uh, uh, hinders their creativity in some way or, or expression so and now you mentioned that you know dictate what we you know what we can or cannot do basically so um, no so so the last part uh, in your book is also you talk about breaking the grid so uh, so as you already mentioned you know so for some instances we might we might want to ignore ignore the structure altogether or create some specific kind of, you know, uh, uh, some kind of alternative structures to, 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 mm-hmm. to create some kind of uh, emotional reaction from the viewer, from the user, or invoke like some kind of narrative association or things like that. So, um, so here you talk about deconstructing the grid to generate new spatial relationships, right? And mm-hmm. you give us, uh, and you show us specific examples as well. So the, the techniques we can use here, so some of my takeaways from the book is like splitting, splicing, shifting elements, deformation, distortion, right? Using mm-hmm. uh, using axis, centered axis structure. And you also give us like whole bunch of uh, other, you know, types of geometric structure, like, you know, stepping, clustering, uh, rotational, ra- radial, concentrics, uh, spiraling, and so on. So can you just touch base on that and and, 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 and um, walk us through some of those strategies for, for breaking sure. the grid? I think the, the reasons one might not might not use a grid are, are the ones that you mentioned, is that you're looking for an experience that is not, uh, or to generate an experience that is not so regimented and so ordered that it, it is a much more kind of a narrative um, and expressive of, we could say artistic, if you want to use that uh, phrase, uh, kind of idea. Um, 
I think that for the most part, uh, the kinds of projects that you know really demand a grid are those where a system is is really important, um, and especially when the system is very very complex. You know, because part of the part of that the designing of that thing has to do with how do you kind of corral all that stuff in a way that's going to make sense. You know, a lot you know over and over and over again. You know, but a lot of projects that are you know kind of one offs like a poster or just a book cover or a very very simple or short uh, kind of brochureware website or a printed brochure where there's not a whole lot of content where that content uh, is is not all that complicated. You know, those sort of lend themselves to other kinds of approach. And, then, and, and there are many. Uh, you know, when we talk about structure, we're not just, you know, a grid is not the only kind of structure that exists. Every kind of composition, no matter how organic it is, uh, presents us with a structure. And so that, that structure, uh, whether it's something that seems kind of irregular or something that might kind of evoke the natural world, the flow of lava down the side of a mountain, something something that's very, very fluid, um, or something that's kind of networked or, or kind of spiraling or, or concentric. You know, those, the, those are also structures. Um, and that really kind of depends, I think, on, you know, what it is that you're trying to convey. Uh, because those, those kinds of structures tend to take on a more kind of pictorial kind of a quality. So we start to say, okay, what does this structure look like? Rather than seeing, you know, a bunch of columns and a bunch of rows, you know, sort of geometric breaking of space and saying, okay, this is an informational structure. But we may start to look at something that is kind of branched, you know, as being kind of, oh, that reminds me of a tree or this reminds me of uh, the way a river flows through a landscape or the way that, you know, bugs look or something. You know, I think that in, in looking at how uh, the structure of a layout, you know, how elements are arranged in space, you know, in itself, you know, can give rise to, um, you know, kind of meaningful ideas um, that can support whatever the actual content is. There are so many ways to, to, to think about the arrangement of material in space. And I think a lot of people, you know, get kind of hung up on going to the, uh, the grid, you know, almost as a, as a, uh, as a convention. Um, and, and like I said, very often it makes a lot of sense, but there are other ways to provide a clear experience and, uh, to, to allow somebody to navigate through information that doesn't necessarily have to be based on vertical horizontal alignment structure. I think it's it's worth uh, always investigating whether or not there are ways of uh, presenting information that don't necessarily adhere to you know what everybody thinks is right or the usual way of doing things. I'm not the kind of person that. So uh, like like some oh, sorry like some some designers uh, also think about the grid in a kind of an ideological way uh, that it is part of the philosophy that they have about how about how design works about how information should be presented about how things even aesthetically ought to look from a stylistic standpoint and that's totally fine um, I'm not one of those people whatever tool uh, whatever method is the best one or the right one or the most compelling one uh, and the one that achieves the communication goals in the best way possible uh, are, is the tool or the method that you should use. So some of you, for, uh, for some of you guys who want to uh, see something, here, is, here are some examples of some unconventional, you know, uh, layout or grid. 
that's an interesting you know that's an interesting example that you bring up in that 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 itself is a system is that there there are uh but it is uh, and it is relatively column based um so there is some deconstruction involved there is some, um, yeah there is some distortion right yeah there's there's distortion and also deconstruction but it is essentially based on a set of columns but then there are there are things because that can happen we can see all those applications that this is uh, you know right especially if you go Right. If you go to the other page, uh, that long, uh, narrow uh, foldout brochure. Right. So that's a, that's a folded brochure. Um, so it it folds in on itself. Um, you can you can recognize. I think everybody can see that there are columns, uh, and those columns are based on a very very tight grid. That is that there's a lot of columns in there. Um, those columns are able to be proportioned given different widths by combining them. So that the content can be, you know, using three columns or only two columns or four columns and so on. Um, the perspective is a distortion and it happens in a specific measurement. Um, that is that one, uh, one side of a column of text is enlarged uh, in right. perspective a certain number of rows upward compared to the, to the left hand or the right hand side. Uh, the mm -hmm. text can be uh, another rule in the system is the text in the column can uh, reverse from flush left to flush right. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, uh, that the columns themselves uh, as happens in some other places can actually rotate um, that the column, the column can be actually rotated uh, among uh, the increments in in the grid structure, so even though it comes off looking mm -hmm. like it is kind of entirely kind of I wouldn't say random, but it is very very irregular, organic, and so on, is that because it's a system, uh, is that there had to be some rules in the way that things worked so that other designers right. could carry out. Uh, you know, uh, additional communications, you know, other projects down the road, and and have it all look like it goes together, like the same designers are designing it. Um, but there's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting tension between, you know, something that is, you know, in theory, it is, it is breaking the grid a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's also very, very systematic in the way that those things happen. Uh, and that's, that's one way of thinking about it. And then, you know, you can have a system that is very, that is really organic where there is, you know, there is no, um, you know, where it almost starts to come apart. Would be um, that would be a, would be that be a, a good example? This is another interesting example because this is also structured on a grid. Um, it is also structured. It, 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 actually, it's it's not really it's not really a grid. That's a um, I, I misspoke. Uh, excuse me. There there are rules for how those how those shapes um, the shapes of those text blocks are made, um, mm -hmm. but they are they're very very loose. Um, but right. there is a con there's a consistency in the way that those shapes appear um, uh, is that they're essentially always trapezoids. Uh, the trapezoids uh -huh. are always a certain kind of a dimension or a space away from each other. Uh, and that there are you know, specific rules for how uh, the text changes from light to medium to bold, uh, it, you know, from block to block to block in order to establish a hierarchy. Uh, so again, it is, uh, it, it's there's always this uh, again always this kind of balancing out as the system becomes or as the visual expression becomes more uh, irregular or wilder on one hand then something else has to kind of offset that to bring a kind of a measure of control back so it doesn't just kind of fall apart and your your reader is like wondering what the hell is going on because um, right. you don't ever want to create confusion that's that's never desirable um, right. 
Uh, although, you know, somebody might argue and say, well, confusion is itself a kind of a message and sometimes confusing the reader, you know, somewhat uh, is helpful. You know, that's a, you know, there's an idea there. How do you confuse someone, but then also bring them out of that confusion um, so that they come away with a kind of a clear understanding of, of what's happening? You've talked about different, um, different grid system, uh, grid systems and how to use them, how to build the grid and how to break the grid. As we are approaching the end of our interview, uh, can you let us know, uh, just you know, for designers who want to learn more from you? I, 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 of course, I'm gonna uh, link. Uh, I'm gonna leave a link in the description box uh, to this book. Is there any other way you want designers to, you know, find more about you or or the work you do? Uh, maybe other, uh, you know, professors and teachers who wanna wanna collaborate with you or clients who wanna work with you. How can we uh -huh. get in touch with you? I've been working on my website for uh, some time. I had one previously and uh, it got, uh, it's a long story. Uh, so that website should be up in the in the very near future. It will be timothysamara.com. You can put my uh, my my email address uh, sure. in there. I think that's fine. Uh, you can also find me at creativelive.com. A couple of live uh, webinars uh, about kind of design fundamentals. Uh, and uh, Creative Live and I are working together now to develop some more nice. courses uh, for their okay. platforms. That's useful. Um, and if you visit. Uh, my publisher's website and my particular page. I have an, uh, a couple of other books that might be uh, useful in particular sure. design elements. Um, the third cool. edition of that just came out. How many? Um, you have like nine books, I think, right? Uh, I think it's either nine or 10. I've kind of lost track. Uh, and yeah. a couple of editions uh, each. The latest, wow. um, if I, you want to plug, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, is this one, uh, which is uh, Design Elements. This is the third edition, which has I just been... It was just released, right? Just released. Uh, and I'm not right. actually sure that it's available on uh, Quarto's website yet, uh, on my publisher's uh -huh. website, but it should be available, I think, soon. Um, and that, that could be quite interesting, I think, especially that, for brand identity designers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it, it, it deals with, uh, you know, sort of every aspect, uh, form and space, color theory, uh, typography, uh -huh. uh, layout, and then also uh, and image making. Um, and really kind of both the sort of visual and conceptual, you know, kind of meaningful uh, aspects of all those uh, sort of major areas uh, of design. Um, but it, it deals a lot with systems, um, especially in the, in the, the last chapter. Um, so it's a good kind of uh, uh, a kind of an overview of of the whole kind of kit and caboodle of everything that we do as designers. Awesome, yeah. Because you have books that go specifically, like for example, you have books about typography, you have books about uh, layout, and, uh, and and now you have a book about uh, design system, right? That was the title of, the, of this book, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, design design elements. So it's everything. Systems elements. systems is in there, but it kind of brings everything together into one. Yeah, one you place. mentioned color also as well, and, and, yeah. and, and different like uh, um, uh, about visual language, right? In general, mm -hmm. awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time to to join us on our podcast and. Um, uh, I'm gonna please uh, give me some time for for post production. I'm gonna let you know when it goes live, and of course, I'm gonna link to uh, to your book. And do you do you know exactly when the new book is going going to be available? Uh, I don't uh, actually. I had looked for it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
uh, at my publisher's website, and I only just received the advanced copy. So usually it's about a month after mm-hmm. um, that that it starts uh, starts becoming available. Um, I'll go look again, and I'll I, I can let you know. Uh, so even if, if okay. so even if it goes live, you can always shoot me an email or, or right. And or, I think I think it, it it might be it might be up on the site, and if it is, it might be available for pre order. Uh-huh. Awesome. Okay, so you can link to uh, to that as well, right? Yeah, I can I give you the, I can give you the 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 URL for that. Sure. Awesome. Okay. So thanks again. It um, is my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. So thanks for tuning in. And if you've enjoyed this episode of On Branding Podcast, follow me on social media for more tips on branding, strategy, and design. This was Arik Vornichak from Evic Design. And I will see you in the next one.